I think this is a great day because you now are, are sending out some fellow followers of Christ to help, who you've helped equip. So that's the Ephesians 4, and now we're sending them out. <clears throat> and again, I hope this is, reminds us today what I want to do. I, I want us to remind you why we're doing this. I want to encourage you to continue reaching out to making disciples, equipping, and to sending out followers of Christ. So, if you've been here with me before, if I have a question, do I ask rhetorical questions? No. No, that's right. <laughs> so that means what? If I ask a question, answer it. So, what's the purpose of the church? To glorify Jesus Christ. What else? Make disciples. What else? Come on, you had an extra hour of sleep last night. <laughs> Love our neighbors, reach our neighbors, care for our neighbors. Good. What else? Build up the saints. Learn more about the Bible. Learn how we can live it together, right? And, and those are all exactly what God is calling us to do. We need to realize that the church is a very multifaceted um, body of believers. And there's no two fellowships that are like. And we don't expect that. And you need to be careful that you don't expect it. But the thing we need to realize is that God has called us also to be a church that gathers and a church that scatters. We gather for worship, for growing in the Word. We gather for disciple-making. If you remember the last time I preached here, it's a hand forward and hand backward. Who's helping you to grow in Christ and who are you bringing along in Christ? And that can be either a saint and a young Christian, or it can be a saint and a lost person, but disciple-making. Also, that we gather so that we may train and equip one another. And I think too often we look at our leaders. I like what you said about Kendra. Kendra's not here to do the work. Kendra's here to help so you can do the work. She's here to equip you and help build you up. And then also the last thing, the <clears throat> reason we gather is so that we can care for one another. And I trust that you're a caring community. I hear good things about you. I heard a report this morning how the love, you're loving each other well. But then also as gathering, we gather for this, but we scatter to be Christ's hands, feet, and voice to the world. We scatter to reach the lost world to help them come into a right relationship with God so they can be in his mission. We scatter, we go out. Why? So we can display to the world who Christ is. And that's what God has called us. And so today, what I want to do, I'm not going to preach, I'm going to teach. I'll get to preaching a little bit, but I'll teach mainly. And I want us to look at about four passages and to follow this through and see what God says about us as a church that is going out. So, first of all, let's look at, if you're following in your Bible, you want to be Matthew 28 will be the first one. Then we'll go to Acts, and we'll go Acts 1, Acts 8, and Acts 13. So if you want to follow along, it'll also be in the screen behind you. But we want to look at these three. We need to realize that what we're looking at is the last command of Jesus the last teaching of Jesus, and then we're going into the book of Acts. So the last command of Jesus is found there in Matthew 28, 
19 through 20. I'm sure you've heard it many times. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's the command there? Pardon? That is a command. That is not the command. Going is the, what, making disciples is the command. Going is an adverb to that. Baptizing and teaching are adverbs to that. But the command is make disciples. But it's there you see the going. Let's look at the next passage. The next passage is in Acts 1.8. <clears throat> I'm going to read 7 and 8. <clears throat> and this is Jesus talking to him. This is the day that he goes into heaven. This is his last teaching. And the disciples, I like it. The disciple says, well, is this going to bring your kingdom about? And I like his answer. He said, really, it's none, that's none of your business. He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Did you see in the passage in Matthew 28, in the passage here, the ends of the earth? Really, the idea that Jesus is saying, I want my message to go where? How many is he talking to that day, probably? At least 11. We know at least 11 disciples there. It could be a bigger group. We don't know that for sure. But he's telling them, you got to go to the ends of the earth. He's talking multiplication also. Look also, now jump, let's just jump down to Acts 8. Because between here and Acts 8, we see in Acts 2, you see how the church was started, how the Holy Spirit came down and started the church, and the church grew and was working in Jerusalem. And you remember the last thing he taught them, he's what? He says, I want you to be my witnesses where? All Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we're still in Acts 8, and they're still where? Jerusalem. So what happens? Now, Acts 7, if you read Acts 7, that is when the stoning of Stephen, and this is the next passage in Acts 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Look down at verse 4. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Another version says, and all the believers preached the word. So they understood preaching to be a little different than what we do. We think, I'm preaching. No, what they're saying there, preaching, is the idea of announcing, of making known the good news, of proclaiming the good news. So he's saying, everywhere they went, they proclaimed the good news. And then because of that, we see the church at Antioch started. We see many people come to Christ. Continue. So the church is now growing in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And you're going to start to see it in Samaria before we get to Acts 13. We're not going to take time to just stop and act, to go through to Acts 13 each step. But let's look at Acts 13 because now let's look at the, the church in Antioch. Because Antioch is the place where they were first called Christians, right? It's also a place where we see that they had a strong leadership team. Acts 13.1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, 
Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, to, said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. The two of them sent, out, <clears throat> sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. This is the start of the church planning movement because you have Paul who God sends out and you start to see the multiplication. Now, if you read the next three or four chapters in Acts, you're going to see how he went from town to town, how they dealt with that. But what we see here is who? The church. Who is the church sending out there? Who are Paul and Silas in, as you see the titles? They're leaders. Oh. We don't usually send out our tops, do we? We usually like to, we, we, we like to have a mat. Somebody we're training up. Well, you know, we can send Matt out and he'll do a great job. And he will. I like that guy's heart. But the thing is, we're not sending out, and I'm not telling you to, in fact, he's listening. Be careful that you keep him on task right here. You got that, elders? So that he, because he's always wanting something new. He, he likes new stuff better than I do. And so, but the, the fact is, they were sending out their best. And in a way, you're doing the same thing by sending out Matt and whoever you're sending out. The church at Centennial, they're sending out... Um, about 20% of their church. And you can pray for them as they walk through this. They've always been in a training, teaching church like this, and, and it's just it happened. It has all come together. But what we see here is we want to see, what, what do we see in these passages? What comes together as we look at these four passages? As I, I looked over these four passages, I read them through again and again, I have three takeaways that I really want us to focus on today. And the first one is God's plans, God's plan on reaching the whole world through the church. God has a plan, and it's reaching the world through who? Let's get a little more personal. I can't hear you. Us. You and me. And we need to stop and see this and try to understand it. You look at that Matthew 28. As you're going, make disciples to reach the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, uh, you'll be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so, you know, Ju Jerusalem was exactly where they were at the church at that time. Judea would have been the bigger surrounding area. Samaria was the people they didn't like. In fact, they hated. You're going to reach them. And then you're going to reach the ends of the earth. And then also you see the passage in, in 1881 where God allowed a great persecution. Allowed is probably a pretty tame word. God caused a great persecution so that they would go out and share with Jerusalem and Samaria. And then we see in the Acts 13 passage, the Holy Spirit sent them out. Do you see the heart of God? Jesus said, he said, I 
came to seek and save. Jesus was sent from heaven to do exactly what he's asking us to continue doing now. Jesus said he had no right to hang on to what is heaven. He said he didn't think equality with God was something to hang on to, but instead he said what? He humbled himself and became a servant. And we start to see the idea of God is that this is what God modeled through Jesus Christ, and God, we re- and then he's asking us to do the same. We also see that reaching the lost is something that moves the heart of God. We know two times that Jesus wept. Lazarus, what was the other time? Over Jerusalem. Why? He's, he weeps over Jerusalem, he says, because you, you, you can't see salvation that's right here. You're rejecting salvation. It's right here. The heart of God is moved for lost people. Luke 15 teaches us that there's, more, there's greater joy in heaven over what? One sinner who repents than anything else. The heart of God is moved by lost people, and God wants to use us as followers of Christ to be those who reach out and go. Followers of Christ, if we're going to fulfill God's plan, is we need to realize we're a going church. That means we go. As you're going, that's your your, uh, Matthew 28 passage, we are to be witnesses. We're to make disciples. And folks, that's our daily job. Will a lot of lost people walk in here without a relationship? Nope. You know, and someone said earlier, they're getting to the place where, the, where we're thought of less highly as a church, as Christians. So then we have to be Jesus' hands, his feet, and his voice with them so that they can say, yes, we want to be a part of this. There has to be relationship. And so that's why we go. And going is what all followers of Jesus are called to do. That's our daily lifestyle. We need to realize that we need to be praying and saying, Lord, lead me to someone daily. That's our opportunity, and that's also our calling. Secondly, though, as we're followers of Jesus, there's some he sends. He took Paul and Silas, and Paul and Barnabas this time, Paul and Silas next time. He took Paul and Barnabas, and he did what? Sent them. And that is moving them from one place to another to a specific new time and place. You're all not going to be called to that. But I know one couple is called to that. Matt and Holly. Well, and there's another couple, a couple other couples going along too. They're moving. I think Matt and Holly will be moving up that area. So they're literally moving to a new place to be proclaiming the gospel. That's the heart of God. But also... As I continue to look at that passage, there's something I saw in, in the Acts 1.8 and, and the Acts 13 that really, really touched my heart because I think too often we think we have to go do it in our own strength. But as I looked at that passage there, those passages, we see the Holy Spirit is our leader and our empowerer. I don't know whether that's the right word or not. It's I made up. Let's live with it. But the Holy Spirit is the one. Romans, I mean, Acts 1.8. Power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he'll give you power to be my witnesses. And I think a lot of times we get excited about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, but we don't realize that one of the biggest things he wants to do is to be witnesses. 
just to announce this is what God's doing. But also, we see in in Acts 13, I I like it. They're praying, and the Holy Spirit did what? Did you you go back and look at that passage? Because in that passage, it says, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. How do we usually do as a church? We usually get a plan together, and then what do we do? Pray and say, Lord, bless it. Right? You've been there, done that? I've been there and done that. And here, it's the other way around. You see what they're doing? They're praying, and as they're praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit talks to them and says, okay, guys, send out Barnabas and Saul. I don't know how he said it, but they heard it, and they acted on it. And then it says, the Holy Spirit sent them out. So we need to realize that these passages teach us very clearly that we're not left on our own or our own strength. We have power to be witnesses. We also have a clear leading. You and I received the Holy Spirit when we became followers of Christ, right? That day, you remember the day when you realized that because I realized I'm separated from God the Father because of my sinfulness. And some, something clicked. God, through this Holy Spirit, spoke to you. And you helped to see that I needed to repent and come back to the Father. And you repented and you asked Jesus. And you said, Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and transform me. I'll follow you wherever. You said something like that, right? You know what happened that day? The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from dead came where? Into you. And he indwells us now, right? And the Holy Spirit who indwells us and is working in us and living in us also then transforms us continually. One thing we say as Christians too often is, well, I have to work out my salvation. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit's working out your salvation in you and you just need to walk with him. Because he's the empowerer to bring the change. You can't change outside inward. You need to change inward outward. And God can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit. So, and then also as the Holy Spirit transforms us, then he starts to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I still have one of them that, mm, and you probably do too, right? All of us have at least one or two of them that we, we, we just don't like. You know, that self-control bit? I'm not sure I like that fruit. But that's not my choice. God wants to produce that in me. And you all have the same. And God, the Holy Spirit's the one that's producing that in us. And then he works through us. 1 Peter 4 says that he speaks through us. You can speak the very message that God has for somebody because he speaks through you. And he also says you, he, we serve through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we really avail that? How do we live in that? How did we see that the disciples lived in it? We see Paul and Silas were moved by it, but how do we live in it? First of all, folks, we need to learn what it is to yield to the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can do that is by really abiding in Jesus and hearing from Jesus, uh, seeking Jesus' face daily. And as we seek his face, we start to seek the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the word and say, okay, God, you work in me. We need to yield our hearts. We need to have a tender and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to work. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Any of you afraid of the Holy Spirit? 
Don't raise your hands. A lot of us are. There's three types of us. There's what we call charismaniacs. They're the ones that are just crazy about the Holy Spirit. But the other side, it's the charisphobics. We're afraid that if we really yield ourselves, the Holy Spirit might make us do something that isn't helpful. That's a lie. God always works for your best, right? And the Holy Spirit's God, right? And the other ones are just biblical charismatics. And I hope you are that. We need to allow the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit, but seek God and say, God, I want to have all that you have for me in me because the Holy Spirit empowers you. But taking that one step further, we also need to learn to hear when the Holy Spirit speaks. We need to be able to identify his voice. And I, there's only one way I know that comes. That comes through prayer and meditation and practice. I missed one the other day. The Holy Spirit. And this, this is a practical one. I was out farming. And as, as I'm coming to this situation, I just all of a sudden, I hear this voice go that way. Well, that's a shorter way. What did I do? Uh-huh. I went the shorter way, got stuck. They had to come and get it out and all that stuff. And it was a longer way. But God, I'd prayed that morning. I says, God, you just guide me. And you say, well, Dan, does he do stuff like Yeah. God is concerned about every aspect of our life. Is that right? So he can tell me to do that. But he can also say, hey, I need to go talk to so-and-so. I need to go do this. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us, folks. We've got to hear his voice. And then when we hear, what do we got to do? Obey. Move. We've got to open our mouth. And, you know, sometimes it'll scare you. But other times you'll say something. I remember more than once when I've said something, somebody says, uh, how did you know to say that to me? That was God. It wasn't me. I was just his tool. And that's the Holy Spirit working in us. So we need to realize that our responsibility is to yield to the Holy Spirit so he can work in us. We need to learn to listen. We need to hear his voice. And then when he speaks, we need to start stepping out. Uh, Galatians 5 talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. So we have two things. The first one is that we need to realize that the church is God's plan for reaching the world. The second one is that the Holy Spirit is our leader and our power. And the third <clears throat> thought that comes to me from these passages is that sending and going is normal and expected. Sending and going is normal and expected. Now you say, hmm. So... Us sending people out is something we need to start letting become normal. Yep. Us going is normal, right? Yep. And so as we look back at these verses, Matthew 28, God's command is, as you're going, go or go and make disciples. In Acts 8.1, he says, what? God scattered. He said, okay, I'll, you're not going to leave. I'll bring the persecution. I'll make you leave. It's your choice. In Acts 13, you saw there in verse 4 where it said, and the Holy Spirit sent them. You know, God calls his followers to go. Jesus modeled it. And remember what we said earlier? We gather to worship, to make disciples, to train and equip and care for one another, but we scatter. 
or go to be God, Christ's hands, his feet, and his voice to the world to reach the lost it, so they come into right relationship with God so they can be in his mission and so we can be the church on display. The question is not should we be gathering or should we be sent ascending going church the question is really how do these both work together how does Sunday morning here in our worship work so it forces us to go the world out there needs a going church right this church here there's people in this community right around here who may know where we're at to the people in your community, your neighborhood. See, they need you to go. They need me to go. We need to be the going people. And God is calling us. Christ modeled it, so now we need to start, start living out. It's necessary for us to really be a church that goes out and out. If we continue just to gather, you're going to become bigger and bigger and more stagnant. What happens when we become too big? A lot of people can come and just sit here and not be in ministry. Is that right? If you start sending out people, all of a sudden you're going to say, oh, we have this ministry that someone needs to step up and take. We have this ministry someone needs to step up and take. And one of the beauty of sending is that it opens up the body so we can start to grow. Our first church plant back in Hutchinson, when we sent out, we were at 68 people when we sent our first daughter church. And we had grown the church to about 130 because the other church grew while it was in us. We sent them out. And all of a sudden, about two months before, I says, no, we aren't going to be able to make it. Because we don't have these ministries. And so all of a sudden, it helped us to say, we need to be raising up people. We need to be raising up more people. And you know what? When we started sharing it, people came out of the woodwork and said, you know, I want to do that. I want to do this. And all of a sudden, we had a new ministry. We sent out those people. I'm such a man of faith, I wasn't there the second Sunday after we left. Dean Johnson came and preached. But, you know, in three months, we had backed up the size we were when they left. Also, in six months, our giving had doubled. And we didn't preach on it. And you go, that's God. Folks, one of the greatest things that's happening at Elmwood right now is, as Pastor Fred said, we're seeing God work. We're seeing a miracle. How do we see miracles? We get out where God's moving us, and then you see miracles. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to work in our life, and he doesn't have to do miracles when we're just not out there moving. When we're not doing that, if we're just staying in our comfort zones and where it's easy for us, we don't need the Holy Spirit, do we? But when we start to step out, we surely need the Holy Spirit, don't we? And we need to learn to expect him to work. And so we need to realize that as a church, as we start to send, it's going to help us to grow and give room for the body to grow. It's going to cause us to have to train. And that's something you've been working on. And I want to encourage you to continue training up people, the residencies, the internships. Also, though, that's not just for, for the level of, of lead, leaders outside the church. We need that inside the church. There's some of you here today who need to come and you say, need to say, hey, uh, leaders, 
God's called me to do some ministry in the body here. Would you equip me? Or God's called me to do a ministry outside the body. Would you equip me? That's what the church is here for. That's one part of us, right? And so we need to be that church, which is a sending church. And as we come together and as we work together, we need to make sure that it is normal and that we expect it of our body of Christ here at Park to be a going every week, ascending regularly. Now, you know what that says about some of you? You might be the next ones to be sent. Uh oh. But you know what? Remember, we don't do any of this in our own strength. Who's our leader? Who's our empower? The Holy Spirit wants to do that great work in you. Will we let him? As we close in prayer today, I want to ask that those who are going to be going out, Matt and Holly, and I don't know who else may be here that's going out, we're going to, as I close in prayer, they're going to come forward and then we're going to pray for them too. So let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father God, we want to thank you for this time we've been able to share together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, how you showed us that you've done this in the past. We know you're a God of promises. You said when you, when your Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will receive the power to become your witnesses. You have promised us your spirit. And you have promised to work through this church and through us and through this church. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to lead us and help us as we move out. Father, help us, Father, not to be people who linger in fear, but help us to be people who step out in faith. Help us, Father God, to be that church that is you can use to really reach your plan of reaching the ends of the earth. We don't know how we fit in there, Lord but we want to fit in. Lead us now, Father, and for what you do, we'll be sure to praise you. Amen.